Hello and welcome to the Marketing That Matters podcast, casual conversations for purpose-driven women. Each week we'll talk about what's grabbed our attention, productivity hacks making our life easier, and chat about a purpose-led brand. This week on the podcast, we're talking about millennials and how the pandemic has changed the way brands need to connect with this target audience. We look at a TED Talk that is all about creative thinkers and how they put their dreams into action and into the world. And we're changing up our brand feature this week. I'm talking about my experience with an Australian brand called Econaps. Jade, how was your week? Look, if I'm being honest, it wasn't great. I found out that I'm technically uncool. Oh, I read an article on Mamma Mia and they were talking about the six signs that that you know that you're uncool. You're all of them. <laughs> Not all, but some. Do you want to know what they are? Yeah. This is actually, this is really relevant because it was, it's about Gen um, Gen Zs yeah. um, saying how they know millennials are uncool. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about millennials in this episode today, but um, one of them was wearing skinny jeans. Oh, yes. Putting a um, off-center part in your hair, so a side part, not a middle part. Yeah. Um, what were the other ones? Um, an obsession with wine and coffee. <laughs> and oh, using the laughing, crying emoji too much. Oh no, we're both we're both uncool. <laughs> so uncool. How was your week? Better than mine? Yes, yes. Um, well, now I know that. <laughs> Um, not so good. No, my week's been good. Lots of new client leads, which is awesome. Like meeting a lot of new businesses, which um, really excites me and learning some new industries too, which I haven't worked across. So enjoying that. Um, and excited to, yeah, really dive into their marketing. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. So what's got your attention this week, Jade? So there's an article on CMO called the new rules of millennial marketing in 2021. What brands and marketers need to know about connecting with this generation? I thought this is really important because millennials are 25 to 40 years old and they're a critical demographic for most brands and they will be for this year. Because I think even if you have a younger audience or an older audience, you probably hit the millennial market at the bottom end or the top end, no matter who you're targeting. But the pandemic has changed the priorities for this generation and that's going to affect how brands connect with them. And that's everything from brand values right down to the choice of the advertising medium you choose to target this market. In the article, they said the biggest change in this group I would call out is that they have grown up. They're buying cars, investing in property, having families. And for marketers, this means they are establishing long-term relationships with brands that resonate with them. So I thought this is really interesting because the millennials are now making those big kind of life purchases, if you like. Um, and they're having more of an emotional connection with brands than say they were when they were a little bit younger. What do you think? Yeah, I loved this article, especially because I did used to think of that generation as being, um, I suppose, because we've come from studying media consumptions of all, all different markets to now actually having a read on the fact that they've moved into a different this generation's moved into a different stage of their life. Yeah. And it's so true. Like it's probably something that we hadn't done a nod to yet. And I'm glad this article did because the way millennials purchase and what they value is different to Gen Y and baby boomers and things. So it's good to actually dive into what this means for brands. Um, The article said they're making significant and impactful changes within the community and in their lives. This group has moved from passive consumption to active engagement. 
be it through augmented reality or other forms of engagement. They're looking for the personal connection, customization when it comes to brands. Now, do you know what augmented, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, augmented reality is? I think so, but maybe explain it to me in case I've got it wrong. And you know what's really, really sad is the only reason I know what it is? It's because my kids have a book, which is AR, which is what it means, where when you read it, you can put your phone up on the book and the Toy Story characters come to life in your lounge room um, through the book. So what it means is that you can – it's an interactive experience of a real-world environment. So you essentially can look at your real-world environment um, where the object that resides in the real world are enhanced by computer-generated perception information. So AR is becoming part of lots of brands' experiences for consumers mm, and yeah. to the point where they're finding gen- this millennial market almost expect it. Yeah. So, well, we talked about this last week with the um, Sweat app using AR technology yes, with Snapchat. Snapchat. Yeah. yeah, so yep. it's starting to become more at the norm and mm. and a really great way to engage that audience to experience the brand because you experience it before you have it. And then almost, and then that's supposed to lead mm. into selling it. So it's like a, it's a way to, obviously you can't I feel it, but touch, mm. feel, see, like doing yeah. using the senses without actually having it. Yeah, there you go. We have an AR book at home. So yeah. I oh know. Gosh, I did not, not even know that existed. <laughs> yeah. The main thing I took away was that they care more about what a brand stands for more than what it's selling. And I think that's what we talk about all the time with brand purpose. Um, they care more about what they stand for. They care more about what the purpose is of the brand more than what they're just the product or service that they're selling. Um, and they said that what the brand stands for will determine their purchase decision. So that shows how important having purpose behind what you're doing is. Yeah. And look, if we're talking about big brand purchases, they all have something they stand for now. Like it's this is this we're talking the the purpose driven industry in regards to some of the larger brands have they've been there and done that and have a have some kind of something where they you know they're sustainable or you know they've, mm. they've they have done they've they've created a purpose but whether or not it resonates with the audience is yes. another thing yeah. and that's what we've broken down on so many of our episodes yeah and then whether or not it's purpose driven from the top down or whether or not it's just tapped on the end of the marketing yeah. like i think the first thing that came to my mind i'm thinking about big brand purchase uh, big purchases like a car for example can't think of a lot of, a lot of car brands off the top of my head that i would understand what their purpose is and feel emotionally aligned to that in any way other than tesla yeah exactly other than that and think about how many car brands there are that, yeah. that we would be their core demographic oh yeah, well, I, I can say Jeep is all about adventure with the family. Yeah, like, yeah, that's true. You know, there's mm-hmm. some that not necessarily for the better of the environment, but yeah. definitely drive. I think they're definitely driving that um, well, the the being mindful and well and have, living a life that's active. Yeah. A lot of car brands have jumped on that kind of purpose. That's true, yes. But whether or not that's relating to the millennials. I liked that they said this generation is rewriting the marketing rules so obviously i think a lot of people have heard of the four p's of marketing which is place product price and promotion they said the four p's that matter now is purpose positioning personalized and partnerships they are a higher consciousness generation inclusive and looking to brands that share their values so i think that's important purpose positioning personalized and partnerships purpose we just touched on 
personalized is so important and technology makes it so easy for us to do that now and I think it's um, a missed opportunity when brands don't utilize it Mm. so utilize their data that they have and do personalized emails and make things really tailored Mm. and partnerships and again I think that comes back to purpose about who the brands are partnering with Mm. and what they're doing Mm. but then obviously also for this market making sure the partnerships are associated with things they care about because for the millennial market I want to talk about a brand that has done an incredible transformation to target millennials if you're interested in a brand that has done this look into Gucci as a case study Gucci appointed a new CEO, Marco Bizzari, who'd previously led Stella McCartney and Bottega Veneta. I don't know how to say that. (laughs) He immediately brought on a new creative director as well called Alessandro Michael. Now, this is such an interesting brand and it just keeps popping up and I can't avoid it. Like I was listening to Simon Sinek's podcast and he interviewed him. That's where I first heard about it. But since then, he has been everywhere. Like he's, Forbes have done articles on him. And it's, it's just whenever I think of millennials and marketing to millennials, Gucci is mentioned. Right. So have a look into that. It's become, just to give you a bit of stats around it, their numbers are remarkable. 62% of Gucci's $8 billion in sales last year came from consumers who were 35 and under. And the brand's fastest growing segment now is 24 and under, Gen Z. So they have just transformed from being a 90s brand to now being a millennial icon. And a lot of it's got to do with them targeting the Chinese as well because um, they love brands and they have just done it in a really, really clever way. So have a look at, have a look at what Gucci's done. Uh, Gucci, the, um, they're the belts everyone's wearing, right, with the gold buckle? Yeah. Oh, my yes, They've done an amazing job. Yeah. I can't get it. Everyone has one of those belts. I can't get away from it. Yeah. Well, you actually, apparently in New York, not that we're in New York, but apparently in New York, you can't get away from the brand. Yeah. Like all wow. the millennials are wearing yeah. it. Yeah. Big shoes with the, with Gucci logo on it. Yeah. It's just become cool again. Yeah. And it's a brand that wasn't. Yeah. And it's almost definitely. like millennials are re, like, well, Gucci have targeted them. Yeah. And now it's just, it's, it's having another wave. Yeah. Mm. I liked where they said in that article that accelerated market speeds is one of their key things to get into that market. So jumping on trends quickly and being able to produce something that's relevant. Yes. Um, was one of the um, was one of the strategies. So that's really that's really hard for um, manufacturers to do to have. You know, they normally have long lead times. So yes. To be able to to do that in a business sense is really. And if you don't, you'll get left behind because yeah, yeah, millennials are so quick to change yeah anyway both of these articles are worth a read and we will pop them in the show notes creative people interest me and the best creatives interest me even more the surprising habits of original thinkers is a ted talk that's been viewed 17 million times organizational psychologist adam grant studies originals the thinkers who dream up new ideas and take action to put them into the world these are the world's best entrepreneurs he draws correlation between procrastination and creativity, plus the myth of being a first mover versus an improver in your industry. This is something that I've spoken to many entrepreneurs about before, about whether or not you've got to be first or whether or not you can be an improver in an industry of something that's already launched and whether or not if you do that, you will always be second best or whether or not you can come out on top, even though you didn't come up with the idea. Uh, something else he also touches on, which we'll, we'll discuss, is the paralyzing fear of avoiding the leap of doing something you love. 
And he talks about how creatives have a way of doing this without being struck down with that paralyzing fear of being afraid to fail Mm -hmm. and which seems to halt a lot of people from being creative and following that passion. So this TED Talk, yeah, really dives into that. Jade, did you have a listen and or watch of this TED Talk and what did you think? Yeah, I could not get away from the stat that he said about 47% of first movers, as he called them, of businesses failed versus 8% of the improvers. Right. Which was amazing. So it just goes to show that you don't have to be first into a market to succeed. And he gave a few examples, like um, the one I can think of was a search engine. So like obviously AOL and Yahoo and that were first. And then look at Google now. So yeah. they were a, an improver, as he's calling them. So yeah, I, yeah I, found that, I found that part really, really interesting. Yeah, I'll say a quote. It turns out the first mover advantage is mostly a myth. Look at a classic study of over 50 product categories, comparing the first movers who created the market with the improvers who introduced something different and better. What you see is that the first movers had a failure rate of 47%, exactly what you said, compared with only 8% of the improvers. Look at Facebook, waiting to build a social network, until after MySpace and Friendster. Look at Google, waiting for years after Alvista and Yahoo. It's much easier to improve on somebody else's idea than it is to create something new from scratch. So the lessons I learned is that to be original, you don't have to be first. You just have to be different and better. Now, people have said to me when I've said, you don't have to create a new industry. Well, isn't that copying? Um, this is where a, an incredible brand can actually make a huge difference, even though the product or service is the same. It's the same. I'm sorry if you think that no one is, if you're going to create a new idea, then no one's going to copy you. You are dreaming. Yeah. If you're into something, so is the next person, the next person, the next person. <laughs> the minute you launch, if it's yeah. that good, you're going to be copied. Yeah. And look, to be honest, that was um, that slogan actually reminds me of something. The often first never copied. Oh, yeah. Or whatever it said. Yeah. <laughs> it's come up before it with, um, with a competitor of yeah. something we marketed. So look, something this TED Talk really talks to is the procrastination vice when it comes to productivity. However... He is arguing it can be a virtue, which is music to my ears (laughs) because far out procrastination, I'm sometimes like, why, Alicia, why? I could have been so much more productive if I just got to it and done it, which I think everybody can relate to. However, it's a virtue for creativity and that I just love. And I'm going to use that excuse every single time (laughs) anyone ever says I'm procrastinating. He says that the um, the best people that are creative procrastinate because it means that they have more time to think. Yeah. I found it interesting because I think there's some important distinctions to make. Like he was talking procrastination in terms of um, like big idea, big projects type stuff, yeah. not procrastination in as in, um, you know, putting off sending that email because you can't be bothered writing it or you just, or it's something you're avoiding doing. Yeah. So I think that that distinction was really important. And the other one um being that he said procrastination people, so people who do things too early, mm. have the same problem as the people who do things too late, and the creativity is found in the sweet spot in the middle. Yes. So you, uh, I think he said you need to start quick but finish slow, which I found yeah. really interesting. Um, I'm not, I'm just not sure how much I agree with it because I feel like sometimes if I, yeah, if I do start things too slow, too quickly, sorry, you can overthink things and mm. put too much thought into something that probably might not need it. Mm. 
But yeah, I'm interested to maybe give it a go and procrastinate and sit on a little bit because I'm definitely more of a procrastinator as in I will start things early, definitely. Oh, right. See, I'm not. (laughs) So we need to meet in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the one that, you know, five minutes before episode crams. (laughs) This is actually very up today, guys, because Alicia was prepping for episode five minutes before we started recording. So we have a time to record and see, yeah. I'm very creative. <laughs> no, look, um, also what the, what they talk about is the the self-doubt, which we've talked about before on episode on um, on the podcast. And I guess we have both been paralyzed with this before with wanting to even start this podcast, but but mm. being paralyzed with with sharing it with people we know when that isn't even our audience. However, (laughs) for some reason that was paralyzing to think that people that know us would be listening. But the Ted talk talks about the Ted talk says, I discovered there are two different kinds of doubt. There's self doubt and idea doubt. Self doubt is paralyzing. It leads you to freeze, but idea doubt is energizing. It motivates you to test, to experiment, to refine And so the key to being originals is just a simple thing to avoiding the leap from step three to step four. Instead of saying I'm crap, you say the first few drafts are always crap and I'm just not there yet. Mm. So letting yourself test things, you know, it might not be right the first time. And he, he does talk about even the greatest creatives didn't come up with their best creative on the first go yeah you have got to test and test and test and test i know how freeing is that idea too because it it makes it almost um it gives you an motivation to start motivation to start but the the concept that it's okay to fail but also it's okay to to fail but it's okay to produce like Mm. okay to produce creativity even if you might not think you're a creative person but have a desire to be creative in whatever space that is yeah don't feel that your first output of whatever that creativity is needs to be as good as everyone else in that, in that, because those people started somewhere too. And you know, whatever it is, you have your own creativity and your own expression of that, of mm. that. And I know I'm talking very broad here. It could yeah. be on any, anything. in anything, but don't be afraid to give it a go. Yeah. I think, um, to make this really relatable to some people listening, if you think about, if you know, if you're writing for your small business, you're doing the social media posts and things like that, you know, sitting on them for a bit, writing them, you know, writing a few captions, coming up with a few ideas, sitting on them for a few days before you publish them, see what comes up, that kind of thing might be, allow you to be a bit more creative in some of those spaces or even, you know, new product ideas or projects that you're working on. Um, I think he, he spoke about writing uh, half of a chapter for his book and then he shelved it for two months and then came back to it. I mean, I'm not saying you have to do that, but even sitting on things for a few days, um, seeing if that makes a difference. Mm. And also if there is something, you know, you say you work in an industry that doesn't really produce much creativity and you have a passion in other things that you only dabble in once every so often I would say put more time into it like give yourself some more time to produce Mm. so say you have a hobby in video editing just gonna throw it out there (laughs) give yourself time to be creative in that space and you don't have to share it with anyone it doesn't have to go anywhere but if that is what you enjoy don't be afraid to be creative in that space and 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 spend time on it because I think that's what's debilitating some sometimes it's like well I'll never be I'll never be as good as everyone else so why why should I bother? Mm. But if you enjoy it, it is yeah. worth it. Yeah, that's why you should bother. That's why you should bother. Yeah. And it doesn't have to produce um, – and you don't have to think that that creativity needs to produce money. I think that's also something Gary Vee also always, always goes on about this. Mm. Happiness – we know happiness doesn't come from from having money. 
creativity can generate happiness though. So if you're, if you can be creative and success to you is happiness, Mm. then start doing it. So we're changing up our brand features a little bit. We'll now be picking a brand that we've had a recent experience with and talking about it, talking about what we found good, bad, and kind of just taking a deeper look at their marketing as we've experienced it as a consumer. So this week, I'm going first. Thanks, Alicia. So I mentioned on the episode last week how I was revenge spending, if you remember, Alicia, Mm -hmm. and I bought cloth nappies, the reusable nappies. So I thought I'd use the brand that I purchased because I found their experience really interesting. When I was researching for this, I found it really hard. I went on a few websites, um, kind of sustainable websites who sold products in a few different areas. but they, And they had like all different brands of like the reusable nappies. And I found it really difficult to find out what to purchase because they were all using these terms that I had no idea about. Like all in one, all in two and like snap. And I was like, well, I don't even know what any of this means. I just wanted to buy reusable nappies. Mm. Anyway, so I found that really hard. And I, I reckon I would spend maybe an hour like, trying to find just, you know, a bit of information what I could do. Anyway, I came across EcoNaps. This is where I ended up purchasing. They were the only brand that was, how do I, they had a really aspirational feel. You know, if you have a look at the brand, it's very, um, very aspirational type of look into motherhood. But they also, what they did really well is they broke down really easily what you would need and how to use it with literally one-liners. A lot of the other websites had literally paragraphs of information and I found it really hard to digest. So that's why I think I think that would be the main driver is why I purchased. They had literally had a couple of one-liner informations on how to use them, um, how you should start and what you would need to purchase basically. And their branding was amazing. Um, I think with brands that are marketing to mothers or parents you can go down that really um relatable how hard is parenting kind of route or you can go down the more aspirational look at parenthood and they've gone down the aspirational route but i think it's really working for them a bit of escapism yeah definitely definitely (laughs) because i'm looking at the beautiful nappies on these kids and i'm like oh that looks amazing you know reality we all know it's not like that but it's nice to think that you might get a bit of that if you purchase it right (laughs) um so and that that was one of the they did branding really well um in terms of you know everything was consistent with their colors it was all so professional a lot of the websites i went on just seemed very amateur Mm. they were definitely one of the most professional looking kind of websites with their colors their fonts their imagery was all one style and tonal it was fantastic what i think was their number one strength was having um enough information there for me to make the purchase decision but not so much that it was overwhelming so they did that really really well the next thing i found about the brand was i received an email from them a few days after i'd purchased about how i needed to start with them so in terms of you need to wash them first and things like that which was fantastic because they'd obviously thought through their customer journey yes. and they know that, okay, they're going to get the nappies and when they do, they're going to know what, what they do with them first. And then follow on from that, I've been getting an email from them about every week with a little bit more information about you know how to use them, how to avoid leakage and things like that, which is fantastic. Mm. The only thing I would say with that though 
is I got that email maybe one or two days after I purchased. Nappies didn't arrive for another week. Mm. So I think they need a little bit more thought into that in terms of I was based in Perth. They must, I think they might be based over east, you know, with Australia Post being overrun like they are at the mm. moment with everything going on. They might need to tweak that a little bit in terms of it being a bit more relevant timing wise. Mm. Um, but the content they had in there was fantastic. Mm. Really, really great. The next thing I think they did well was their social content mm. was really, really good. I ended up going to their socials after I'd purchased mm-hmm. Because I was trying to find some more information on how to use the inserts. Still have, still working on that. (laughs) But I ended up, they, I think they had, um, so some of their content was great in terms of they had asked questions to their customers as as a post. And a lot of people had commented on how they were using the inserts. Uh. So that post I found so interesting. And that's where I found a lot of my answers. So they did have a lot of frequently asked questions and video demonstrations on their website, but it still didn't answer what I needed to know. Mm. And there was no easy, there wasn't a live chat or there wasn't a contact us with your question Mm. on their website. So that's why I went to their socials to find it. Mm. So the information was there. Mm. It wasn't easy for me to find, like I had to navigate off to find Mm. it. Um, So that was the, that was fantastic in terms of the answers were there that I was looking for as a consumer, but it was a little bit hard to find. Um, but I think what brands need to remember is you don't always have to, like they don't have to turn that post that I would find in, in like helpful into a video or into something really high quality. Just go, if you want to know more about the inserts and link to the post, mm. like reuse your content. Mm. Don't, don't try and think you have to repurpose it and, you know, use it use it in a bigger way on your website, just have a small frequently asked question, how to use the inserts, read more on our post here. That would have been a lot more easier than Mm. me finding it myself. Mm. But the content was there and it was fantastic because Mm. obviously they're getting the engagement from customers and those customers' responses were helping educate other customers and they weren't necessarily having to do it. Yeah, I think what you're talking about here is the ecosystem of a brand, the whole brand and how um, a brand can really look at the user experience and touch on every single point and make sure they're addressing it. Yes. And you got that And experience. not just before you purchase, after, after. you purchased it. Because I have repurchased since I bought the initial wow. few because I've been using them. I figured out how to use them. They're working quite well and I've gone back and purchased more so yeah. I can do it full time. Yeah. Yeah. That's very good of you, Jade. Yeah. Help the environment. <laughs> I'm trying to be as sustainable as I can at the moment in some areas. No, you know, I think it's one step at a time. But I think that, yeah, that's what they've done well is those touch points after you've purchased are just as important as before in order to encourage repeat purchasing from your customers. So takeaways for small businesses that everyone can take away from EcoNaps. Branding matters, especially in regards to the purchase decision. Their impeccable branding made it really easy for me to purchase from them over someone else. Um, Check your website though. Click every single button on your website, on every page, on every browser type and on as many devices as you can. The reason I say that, on their website, I think it was on my mobile, I was trying to look through a few of their demo videos and some of the links weren't working. And as a customer, that can be so frustrating and this was post-purchase. If it had been pre-purchase, maybe I would have gone somewhere else and looked somewhere else. So I can't underestimate that enough. You know, when I was working for brands um, internally, I would, you would have to do that on a weekly basis, clicking on your website, making sure everything was working. Cause it's up to you at the end of the day, if your customer can't mm. navigate to what they want, mm. they're going to go somewhere else. Mm. And repurposing your content, have a look at what's on your socials, see what you can see, what information is there that your customers might want and link to that from your website rather than, you know, creating new content from that.
That covers it for this week. Make sure you leave us a review or follow us on Instagram at Marketing That Matters Pod. We love a chat. Thanks for listening to the Marketing That Matters podcast. Thank you.